You're listening to the New Hope Church podcast. To learn more about what we're doing on the south side of Indianapolis, you can check us out online at becomehope.com. If you like what you're hearing here, be sure you check out one of our companion podcasts. We have a daily devotional podcast called Let's Find Out Together, as well as an apologetics podcast called Salty Saints. Let's listen in. Today's talk comes from Zach Killy. My name is Zach, and I'm one of the pastors here at uh, New Hope. And we're going to keep talking through our new sermon series on Ecclesiastes. It's just a few short weeks, um, so we don't have to linger in the most depressing book of the Bible for too long. Um, but I want to kind of give you a quick summary of like what we talked about up until this point. Randy kind of gave us the overview of the book last week, and I'll summarize a little bit. Um, basically, it is a very depressing book in a lot of ways because um, Solomon, who we believe wrote this, right? Uh, he's looking at life and he's pointing out everything that is hevel. That's the word he uses, right? That word means smoke, vapor. It's a Hebrew word, but we translate it as meaningless, futile, vanity. You know, it's pointless, right? And it can get kind of taxing to read it because over and over and over again, he's just like, and I looked at this and I found that this too was pointless. And then, oh, and this, this is meaningless too. And this is meaningless and that's meaningless. And you can pretty quick be like, okay, dude, like calm down. Like it's, it's a lot. Um, but the reason that's so interesting is because I kind of trust a guy that is that dead set on finding the bad in everything. I really want to hear what he has to say when something's good, right? Like that tends to matter because I sort of look at Solomon here as like our first book on apologetics in the Bible. That's how I see the book of Ecclesiastes, because Solomon basically comes down to this one understanding that everything is pointless without God, right? And it's not like he's suggesting you can't do fun things in life and you can't say there's meaning in things, but he's saying you can't justify it. You can't ever justify why anything's good because you've gotten rid of the standard upon which all good is determined. Think about it like this. Let's assume that we came from like nothing. Let's assume there's no God for a minute and there was a big explosion out of nowhere. And then a bunch of space dust just came out of nowhere and started colliding into other space dust, right? And then some of that space dust turned into planets. And then some of that became the earth, right? And then some of that became these little single-celled organisms, right? And then those evolved through some process that we really don't even understand in the first place. But then eventually through this big convoluted process, it gets to us. So we are the product of a bunch of dust that bumped into other dust and turned into something. So there's zero point to anything. So anytime you're sad or you're happy or you're in love or you hate something, it really doesn't matter because all those emotions are just like a fizzed up Diet Coke. That's you. You're a chemical reaction if that's life, okay? Sorry, Jim. Sorry. I will clean this up, I promise. Um, I didn't think about what I'd do with my hands after that. Um, but that's us. If there's no God, we're just fizz. We're a chemical reaction. We're nothing, right? But Solomon's saying, but that's not the case. He's saying there is a God, and there is good in the world. 
And so out of all that stuff that Solomon says isn't so good, buried in the, between the lines, he starts to get to some stuff that is good. And I want to read about that. Let's jump to Ecclesiastes 4, 7 through 12. Here's what he says. He says, I observed yet another example of something meaningless under the sun. Off to a bad start, but that's okay. This is the case of a man who is all alone, without a child or a brother, yet who works hard to gain as much wealth as he can. But then he asks himself, who am I working for? Why am I giving up so much pleasure now? It is all so meaningless and depressing. Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. So Solomon is pointing out the need for friends in life. We're good. Um, and this is interesting because this immediately reminds me of the garden. We think back to the very beginning, and God makes Adam. So Adam's the first person. He's the only person at this point in time. And there's all the animals. And God tells Adam, you get to name all these. And so Adam's naming them all. And through this process, God is looking at this happening. And he's going, none of these are suitable for Adam. None of these are a partner for Adam. And he says this. He says, it is not good for a man to be alone. That's the first thing God says in creation isn't good. Everything else has been up good up until now, but what's not good? For man to be alone. And so he makes Eve. And so Adam and Eve have each other, right? They have, they have a companion. They have a friend. They have a husband and a wife, a lover, right? Like, it's this beautiful thing. That's God's heartbeat for humanity. He wants humanity to work together. God is a communal being, right? He is a trinity, which means that he is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So even when there was nothing, there was still God, and he was in community with himself. So we reflect God's nature by being friends. And Solomon is talking to us saying, life is so much better when you have a friend because this life can be chaotic. I look at that picture. I like to hope that there's not just one guy on that lonely boat out there in the ocean, right? That's a bad place to be. That's monster soup, right? There's tons and tons of bad stuff underneath that water. You need people with you out there. You need people to have your back to make sure you're safe, right? That, that matters. So story time. Um, me and Abby, I don't know about you guys. Uh, you probably, when you watch TV, who, who's it big into like the streaming services? Anybody? Well, we've been trying to like cut those because it's just getting stupid expensive, right? And we've watched everything like over and over. So we've reverted back to ye olden days of DVD players and we've started going to disc replay and we just go and we buy like tons of DVDs for like a buck a piece. So we've just got this monster collection now, right? But we had a good find. We found the Lord of the Rings box set extended edition, which is like 300 hours of Lord of the Rings, which is pretty cool. All right. And so we've been watching through them for the last like three days. And uh, we 
are on the second movie. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and we're like, towards the end, and I'm sitting there, and I'm like, I still had no idea where I was going for like the example I would give in this sermon, because nothing had hit me. And I'm watching it, and then boom, I'm like, oh, okay, thank you, God. That's That's what we're talking about. I don't know if you're familiar with the story of Lord of the Rings. Um, it's an interesting one. High fantasy. Got crazy stuff going on. Lots of monsters and wizards and witches and bad guys and good guys and dwarves and elves and all sorts of stuff. But there's this little guy, real little guy. He's not human. He's something called a hobbit or a halfling, right? And, uh, He's like the least suspecting of all types of people. Like, this is the most harmless little dude. All they do is like eat and drink and hang out. Like, they're just not even very helpful, right? They just, they, they just do their thing. And he is tasked with maybe the most important thing to do in this universe in this time. They're in a place called Middle Earth and he is given a little ring. And this ring is called the Ring of Power or the One Ring. You'll hear it referred to in both those ways. And basically the idea is the most evil being that has ever lived, his soul is trapped inside that ring. And whoever's in possession of that ring, if they just wear it, they have ultimate power. It enhances all of their abilities. They become a super version of whatever they are. But also with that, they become corrupted and they become evil, and they become deceitful, and they just end up becoming a pawn of Sauron, the bad guy trapped in the ring, right? Well, they give it to Frodo, and they send him off to go destroy this ring, to destroy this evil once and for all. But what's he got to do to do it? He's got to go to the worst place on earth, which is full of monsters and demons and all this bad stuff. He's got to go there, and he's got to throw this back into the fire from which it was made. That's the only way to destroy it. But this dude can't do that. How is he going to get there? So all these people come together, all these people from all these different nations, all these different types of people. You got elves, you've got dwarves, you've got humans, you've got all these people that come around Frodo and they make something called the Fellowship of the Ring. That's the first movie for all you fans out there. And they basically come together and say, look, this guy's never going to get there alone. So you've got my axe. You've got my my bow. You've got my sword. You've got me. I'll lay my life on the line for you, man. I'm going to get you there. We're going to make this happen, even if it costs me everything. And you know what? They do. They get him there. They go through battle after battle. They fight monsters. They fight demons. They fight everything. And they get him there. And some of them do die along the way getting him there. They lay down everything for their friend Frodo, right? But there's one guy in the group that's super interesting. His name's Sam. And Sam is another hobbit. Sam is so worthless to this party. Sam can't fight. Sam can't do anything, right? He's, he's just a little dude. He, he can't do much. But he is there for Frodo all the time. Because there's parts in this journey where Frodo gets separated from all the warrior dudes. You got all these big, scary, awesome guys around Frodo. But where are they? Well, they're all fighting. What's Frodo doing? Frodo's hiding, trying not to die. So they're not there, but who is there? Sam. And there's one point in the second movie, while I'm watching it yesterday, when it all clicked for me. Frodo has been carrying the ring for years now, and it's taking a real toll on his mind. He's, he's messed up. He's losing it, right? 
And at one point, he gets scared and he draws his sword to fight this monster. But when he turns around, it's just his friend Sam. And he puts the throat, he puts the sword to Sam's throat and he puts him down on the ground. And Sam's saying, no, Frodo, it's me, it's Sam, it's Sam. And he finally comes to. And then he has this breakdown moment and Frodo just loses it. And he says, Sam, I can't do this anymore. He's like, I can't, I can't do it. Like it's taking its toll. I can't go. And Sam says this. He says, I know. He says, it's all wrong. By rights, we shouldn't even be here, but we are. It's like in the great stories, Mr. Frodo, the ones that really mattered, full of darkness and danger they were, and sometimes you didn't want to know the end, because how could the end be happy? How could the world go back to the way it was when so much bad had happened? But in the end, it's only a passing thing, this shadow. Even darkness must pass. A new day will come, and when the sun shines, it will shine out the clearer. Those were the stories that stayed with you, that meant something, even if you were too small to understand why. But I think, Mr. Frodo, I do understand. I know now. Folk in those stories had lots of chances to turn back, only they didn't. They kept going because they were holding on to something. And then Frodo says, what are we holding on to, Sam? And Sam walks over to Frodo, and he picks him up by the shoulders, and he pulls him to his feet. So at this moment in time, Sam, or Frodo is quite literally holding on to Sam, right? And he says that there's some good in this world, Mr. Frodo, and it's worth fighting for. And that is beautiful. That's beautiful. That is so good, right? That like, that this friend of Frodo's, like, even though he brings not much to the table, he would give his life to save his friend. And he's going to be there through thick and thin, even when nobody else is. Sam's still there. He's still going to be a friend because we've got a job to do, Mr. Frodo. We got to get out there. We got to make this happen, right? Here's the thing about that story. It's a story. It's make-believe. It's, it's fictional, Right? But here's the cool thing about that. It's based on a true story. It's based on a story we talk about uh, every time we come together here, because maybe you don't know this, but J.R.R. Tolkien, the man that wrote Lord of the Rings, was a Christian. In fact, he was good friends with C.S. Lewis, and he actually says that he would have never finished this book had it not been for his good friend C.S. Lewis urging him to finish this book. So you even kind of see it play out there. Isn't that incredible? And he believed in the truth of all truths. And that's what's reflected in this story. And that's the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see, here's my three circles gospel for all my people in my uh, Hope Dealer class, but uh, I'll, I'll tweak it a little bit. I think we can all recognize that the world is broken, right? That, that it's not great here. There's, there's death and there's sickness and there's sadness and that's all bad. But it wasn't always like that because God made a perfect earth. God made a good earth, right? And you know why he made it? He made it because he loves us. And he put a man and a woman on that earth and we broke it. We broke it because we turned away from God. We destroyed our relationship with God because we'd rather go our own way. And in doing that, we separated our relationship from the giver of life. And do you know what happens when you break yourself off from the source of life? You get death. And so we spend our whole lives trying to get back to that place and we do it through sex and we do it through money and we do it through greed and we do it through power. We do it through all these means, but they always just snap us right back to this reality, to this broken one. It never fixes it. We're always still right here. But God saw that problem. 
God saw that. We couldn't do it on our own. And so he decided to do something about it. See, he stepped into time and space, into our reality as a man named Jesus Christ, the one unique son of God. And he lived the perfect life that we could never live. And he died the sinner's death that we deserved, the criminal's death that we deserved. But he raised from the dead three days later. And because he is God and not just some guy, his life is infinitely more valuable than all of ours combined. And that's why his price that he paid can pay for all of your sin ever. For every person ever. If you just simply turn to him and accept him as God, as Lord, and ask him to save you. That's it. That's the story of the gospel. And when Jesus comes back, right, when he raises from the grave, when he, before he ascends to the right hand of the Father, right, what's he do? He gathers all of his friends. Because he says, he says to them earlier in, in John, he says, you're not my servants, you're my friends. Because servants don't know what their master's up to. And I'm telling you, I have told you everything that my father's told me. You're my friends. And he gathers his friends around and he gives them a job. He says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. That's Jesus claiming his, his, his authority, his kingship over all of creation right then. And he says, and here's what I want you to do. Go and make disciples of every nation, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I've told you. And remember that I am with you always until the end of this age. Here's the deal. We have been tasked with something very difficult to do. And we are not so different from that little hobbit in that story. We are up against insurmountable odds. We're up against hatred for us, for our Lord. For, we're, we're up against death and destruction and despair. Chaos. It's chaos everywhere. That's why we're trying to find hope in the midst of it, right? And do you know who he gave us to get through that? A fellowship. He gave us each other because it's hard out there on your own. We're just little guys. We just need help. And so what do we do? We come together and we pick each other up when we fall down and we say, look, I don't care if it's going to cost me everything. I've got you in this. We're going to make this happen because we've got a job to do. We've got to go out there and we've got to tell the world about the hope in Jesus Christ. We've got to go out there and let them know that there's nothing they can do, that it's hopeless on their own. But if they just turn to him, they can live. And I'm going to make that happen. I'm going to help you. What do you need me to do? We've got to be that for each other. And here's the deal. Not just spiritually, like physically, like life just sucks sometimes and you need help. We got to be there in that. Not just on Sunday mornings, not just on a spiritual level, level on every level. That's why we're here for each other. And just like Frodo, there's going to be someday when you're going to feel all alone and you're going to feel hopeless and you're going to fall down on the ground and you're going to say, I got nobody. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm done. I'm tired. I can't do this anymore. And in those moments, what I want you to remember is the last thing Jesus said to his friends before he ascended. And that is, I am with you always. I'm here. 
And when you remember that, it's like Jesus comes and picks you up by the shoulders and he looks at you and says, I want you to remember that there is something good in this world worth fighting for and you're holding on to him right now. I'm worth fighting for. Remember Jesus is saying that, that he's worth fighting for. That you've got a job to do, I've got a job to do, we've got a job to do, and he's not sending us out alone. He's given us a ton of good people around us that are going to make this happen, and he is there even when it seems like nobody else is. So that's what I want you to remember today. we got a job to do. We've got to be the good in the world. We've got to embody that. We've, we've got to be just like Sam in that moment and be there to pick somebody up when they've fallen down and to show them a glimpse of our God Christ, right? And two, we've got to remember that even when it seems like there's nobody else there, God is. Jesus is. And if you let him, if you just listen, he is telling you that it's going to be okay. And he's reminding you of your purpose, of your cause, of who you are, and what needs done. But just open your ears and listen. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for big, epic stories that can point us back to you at the heart of it, Lord. We thank you for your word. We thank you for each other. Um, thank you for putting so many people around us that we can call brothers and sisters that we know have our backs. And Lord, if there's anybody in this room that doesn't know who's there for them like that, I pray that you would just open their eyes and that you would, you would prompt each one of us to surround around each other and, and remind each other that we're there, that we've got each other's backs and that that we've got to spread your word. We've got to spread the good news. We've got to spread the gospel because there's a whole lot of people out there that don't know you, Lord. And, uh, and thank you that you're with us through it all. Please just keep empowering us through your Holy Spirit and through the, through the body of the church. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. I'm gonna take a few moments to reflect and respond to God's word this morning. Is God wanting you to be more like Jesus today? What have you heard in the word and the prayer and scripture and song this morning that has highlighted the fact that we fall short? How do you need to be more like Jesus today?
Thanks for tuning in to the New Hope Church podcast. If you would do us a favor and like or subscribe on your favorite platform, we would really appreciate it. Also, if you happen to have any questions, feel free to reach out to us at questions at becomehope.com. Have a great week and know that we are praying for you as you seek to be Jesus in every corner of your world.